Hello and welcome to 99 Yards. I'm your host Duncan Terry and this week I'm all alone. This is a fantasy special podcast where our fantasy writer Justin Brandrick and I were lucky enough to spend some time talking with NFL Network's Marco Fabiano. Whether you're a fan of fantasy football or just the game itself, you'll enjoy this one. Let's hear what he had to say. Uh, Michael, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. How was your off-season? Off-season was good. Um, There's always like sort of ebbs and flows because you've got the combine, you've got free agency schedule release, and you've got the draft. And then like it's just really slow in in, uh, the month of uh, June. And then it starts picking up in July once training camps start opening. And here we are. It's August 1st. And we have our first game coming up. So it's exciting. Yeah, I can't believe it's finally here. That June and July is so slow, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's really slow. Yeah. That's when like that's when you start to see all of the NFL employees, social media posting pictures of themselves on vacation because that's when everyone goes away. <laughs> and then it's goodbye to the families again, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're we're really glad you could join us. Um but we are gonna put you to work. So if I could kick off, how are you feeling about your Cowboys this year? And does Dak Prescott have the ability to be the next highest paid player in the league? <laughs> I know. It's all about money, right? I feel good about the Cowboys as long as Zeke, you know, actually comes back from Cabo and plays football here soon. Um from a fantasy standpoint, I'm not as worried that he's gonna miss games as I would be, say, about Melvin Gordon, it's sort of a different situation. But all things being equal, with the Cowboys' youth on defense uh, and, and what they've got going on in offense with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, uh, adding in Randall Cobb and bringing back Jason Witten to where he should be, which is the football field, from where he shouldn't <laughs> be, clearly, which was the, the broadcast booth, I, I feel good. And the division is not the strongest with the Giants and the Redskins. The Eagles are going to be contenders without question. So I think it's going to be Dallas-Philadelphia um, uh, throughout the course of the, the season battling for, for the NFC uh, Eastern crown. I, Dak Prescott's going to get paid. I don't think he's going to be the highest paid quarterback in the league, nor do I believe he, he deserves to be. But in this day and age when you know, we, we've got some quarterbacks out there making some big-time loot that maybe don't deserve to be making that much, yeah, Dak has at least proven that he is one of the better quarterbacks in the league. He's not elite, but he's pretty good. And uh, I, I think the the Joneses will take care of him and hopefully Zeke here in the very near future. It, it is an interesting one. Right, Michael. Um, Todd Gurley. Just just to switch over to Todd Gurley, his injury. Um, mm-hmm. What do you what do you think his impact will have on his uh, on his output and, and overall on his fantasy value? I mean, over here in the drafts I've been involved in and, and that I've witnessed, I've seen Gurley slide to the back end of the second, even the third at some points. Yeah, and I'm seeing the exact uh, same thing. And I, I feel like there is a little bit of cause for concern, which is why you're seeing him drop. If the knee was not an issue, he's probably the first overall pick, uh, or, or, or at least top three. But because of what happened at the end of last season with C.J. Anderson coming in and playing so well, I do, I do think the, the thing that surprised me uh, the most was when he didn't get as many touches in the Super Bowl, and I, I do believe that Sean McVay certainly regrets that. Um, if he could do it all over again, he would give Gurley uh, some more opportunities in you know the biggest stage in the world. And looking ahead here, Gurley's not going to see any action in the preseason, which is probably a good thing. He's lost some weight. His knee right now is fine, 
Uh, I have a good friend who is a good friend of Todd. And of course I've been picking his brain the entire off season. And he's telling me that Todd's fine. The decision to limit his touches, I think is a good thing because this guy has touched the football an awful lot. I mean, you're talking about a player here who had what 340 plus touches two years ago, 315 touches last season. He's been a workhorse and bringing in Daryl Henderson is maybe seen as a negative from a fantasy perspective because Gurley doesn't project to be a guy who's going to get the ball 25 to 30 times a game. But here's, here's the positive in this. There's still going to be plenty of opportunities for Todd Gurley to be a top 10 fantasy running back. When the Rams get inside the 10 yard line, he's getting the football. He's still one of the most electric playmakers at the position in the National Football League. Sean McVay's offense is going to be one of the most prolific. And if you remember back to a few seasons ago when McVay was the offensive coordinator in Washington with Jay Gruden as the head coach, Chris Thompson was a pass-catching sort of complement in that running game. Now, Henderson could project to be that sort of pass-catching complement to Todd Gurley and give Todd Gurley fewer touches. Uh, to keep him fresh throughout the course of the regular season. Now, that might be a good thing. We're not talking about a Todd Gurley who's going to touch the ball 350 times, but if he gets 275, maybe to 300 on, on the high side, that's still plenty of touches for Gurley to be productive. So if that is a best-case scenario and Gurley is coming off the board in the mid to late second round, I feel like it's well worth the risk. Now, with that being said, the one caveat is, what if the knee causes him to miss significant playing time? We can't predict injuries. I wish we could. If we could, this whole fantasy football prognostication thing would be a hell of a lot easier. But totally that true. is why if you do draft Gurley, you should be looking to handcuff him with Henderson, who's coming off the board and draft now in the sixth or seventh round. And if you aren't able to get Henderson, then you certainly want to have some backfield depth uh, on other teams uh, to be able to at least – sort of stay afloat if Gurley does miss some playing time. I've been in Knox very regularly for the last month, and I had to be honest with you, I am getting Todd Gurley at the end of the second round in a lot of these mocks because I'm willing to take the risk, and I just I see the, the potential of having a Zeke Gurley backfield or a Kamara Gurley backfield or a CMC Gurley backfield, and that just excites the heck out of me. And even though there is some concern with the knee, I'm willing to take that risk because if it pans out, my backfield is going to be riding me to the fantasy playoffs. I'm really glad you said that because I, I gambled upon Gurley myself on the, the very edge of uh, round two. So I ended up with a, a Barkley uh, Gurley backfield. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if, if you're not the type of person who is willing to take risks, then you avoid them. But I'm telling you right now, Todd Gurley's knee is fine right now. And with what the Rams are doing in terms of sort of making sure that he's not being overworked, uh, not giving him any touches in the preseason, getting him ready ready for the regular season, they're doing all the right things to make sure that Gurley's knee is able to hold up for a full 16 games. Um, And again, you can't predict injuries, but I'm willing to take the risk on Todd Gurley if he's falling to me at the end of that second round. Some people might not want to take that risk. 
Michael, uh, my question regards the Eagles, um, and they have some mm-hmm. crowded groups at wide receiver and running back. Is there anyone that warrants uh, a higher fantasy pick, or is it more of a case of hoping to get some value later on? Yeah, I mean, outside of Zach Ertz, there, there's, not, there's not a receiver or a running back that I feel like we can trust, uh, at least at this point in training camp. Alshon Jeffrey will be the first wide receiver to come off the board. Deshaun Jackson is going to end up being more of a later round pick. And in the backfield, we're seeing that Jordan Howard is getting the first team reps. Miles Sanders has the most upside. There's no doubt about that. Sanders may have been morally, more highly touted coming out of Penn State had he not been stuck behind Saquon Barkley until his final season uh, with the Nittany Lions. But the committee approach seems to be what Doug Peterson likes to do. He did it last season. And you've also got Darren Sproles back. You've got Corey Clement back. So if you're looking for upside, Miles Sanders is the pick. And Miles Sanders will be the first Eagles running back drafted. But don't be surprised if Jordan Howard is the guy who's back there week one in that starting role for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's going to be a committee. Maybe it's not going to be as confusing as, Buffalo's could project to be, or maybe San Francisco's could project to be. But I I do believe that Sanders is the play there. But this is not a player that I'm drafting inside the top five rounds. In fact, he's probably going to be going in the sixth or seventh. And if Jordan Howard continues to start, then Sanders will slide a little bit more. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's an interesting one. It's a crowded uh, crowded bunch. It was interesting that they got really? Sproles, wasn't it? That uh, you know they had such a a big group already, and then they re-signed Darren Sproles. It was very interesting. And just another piece to the committee, and you know it's going to happen because it happens all the time. Like there's going to be a game in like the first four weeks where Sproles is going to go nuts, and then everyone's yeah. going to be rushing to the waiver wire to pick him up, and then it's going to be even more confusing. But uh, again, Sanders is the target right now, but Jordan Howard. I don't want to call him a sleeper because he's not going to be able to accomplish in Philadelphia what he did in Chicago. And look at his numbers rushing wise. Uh, His totals were pretty good. Maybe not yards per carry, but in terms of what he did overall, in terms of his rushing uh, stats, pretty good. But he could end up being a guy that uh, sort of files into that flex starter uh, category to start the season if he is atop that depth chart. Brilliant. Michael, um, just for our listeners, have you – have you got your eye upon uh, any anyone that you think is going to make a, a massive impact that no one else is really back in this season? Oh, man. I mean, I actually just posted uh, my Fabs 5 column, and I did breakouts and sleepers and deep sleepers for all the top four fantasy positions. And I can go through some of the players that I like later in drafts. Kalen Balaj in Miami. He's been running with the ones. And I know Kenyon Drake is there, but for some reason, they don't see Kenyon Drake as a featured back and Gore, uh, Frank Gore and, and Drake basically split touches down the middle last season. So if Belage inherits the Gore role, well, uh, he could be a nice sleeper. Justin Jackson, right now with the Melvin Gordon situation, he could end up being a guy who's worth a late-round flyer. Damian Harris in New England, you're looking at a situation with Sonny Michelle. If he's right, he's really good, but that knee is seemingly problematic. He started camp on PUP, so that's a player that you could target late as well. Uh, Kiki QT in Houston at wide receiver, James Washington in Pittsburgh, uh, Deshaun Hamilton, who's dealing with an injury right now. Keep tabs on him. Anthony Miller is another player in Chicago, a deep, deep sleeper, Albert Wilson in Miami um, with Ryan Fitzpatrick looking to be the starter because where Ryan Fitzpatrick goes in the national football league, Ryan Fitzpatrick starts. It's amazing. Um, at tight end, you're looking at Darren Waller in Oakland. You're looking at, Mark Andrews in Baltimore, 
and Vance McDonald in Pittsburgh. Those guys, especially McDonald and Andrews, could be potential breakout candidates at a position that was really thin last season. I, uh, I love that Anthony Miller pick. I've, I've liked him ever since his days in Memphis. I think he's going to be a big player. Yeah, and he's basically free. I mean, a lot of the players I just mentioned are basically free. They're not going until the double-digit rounds. So Miller's a, a free player for the most part, and um, Wilson would be a free player for the most part. So these guys are, are, are well worth just throwing darts. If they don't pan out, they're waiver wire fodder, but it's nice to have them on your team for the start of the season in case they do see a bigger role in their offenses than some people project. Yeah. Hey, um, do you buy into the theory of players having just signed big contracts being a risk and players in a contract year working harder? I mean, that's something that I used to write about when you, when you would see players in contract years trying to have big seasons. And there's been, you know, there's been scenarios where it's come to fruition. There's been other scenarios where it hasn't come to fruition. Um, I don't look at it so much now. It might be sort of an add-on to a player that I like. Well, his opportunities are going to increase, and there was a coaching change in the offseason. And, oh, by the way, he's also in the contract year. In terms of players who just signed big contracts, I don't use that in terms of my rankings uh, either. Uh, So, like, for example, Le'Veon Bell, now that he got paid, I don't expect Le'Veon Bell to – suddenly become lackadaisical now has it happened in the past in sports you know absolutely uh, i always remember the danny tartable uh, situation because i'm a diehard new york yankees fan and i remember tartable you know signs a big contract and then goes into the tank but Le'Veon bell coming off of a season where he didn't play downgrade from pittsburgh's offense to the jets offense but the jets offense has some young uh potential superstars including sam donald and he's going to get touches, and volume is like gold in fantasy football. So uh, Le'Veon wouldn't be someone that I'd be too concerned about uh, tanking it because he has gotten paid. So, and it's also hard to, you know, to determine sort of from the outside looking in what people's and players' personalities are and if whether or not those players are the types that are going to go out and prove that they, they deserve that kind of money or whether or not they got paid and now they can get lazy. So um, it's it's not something that I would use in terms of projecting a player. Yeah, m- maybe if you're trying to choose between two and, and you're stuck and you know, right. that becomes like the last factor. No, but yeah, yeah I get yes. that. Yeah. Good point. Yep. Mm-hmm. Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston, both drafted in 2015, both had mm-hmm. kind of turmoil careers, really, uh, especially Winston missing so or quite a, quite a piece of last season and, and Fitzmagic having that tremendous start. Do you feel they're both entering kind of last chance saloon? Is it, is it boom or bust time for them? Yeah, I, I do think it is. Um, and, and both from a reality standpoint and a fantasy standpoint, to be quite honest with you. So Mariota's either not being drafted or is a late round flyer at this point. A lot of people, including myself, were expecting more from him uh, during his career. We haven't gotten it. Winston has shown flashes, but remember what happened last season. Fitzpatrick came in, started the season with his magic. Uh, eventually, he fell back into the doldrums of turning the football over, and Winston came in and played pretty well. Now, the reason I like Winston is because you can get him cheap. He's going to be a late-round pick. The offense 
that Bruce Arians is going to install in Tampa Bay could be pretty conducive to quarterbacks putting up some numbers. Now, he's had some quarterbacks in the past who have played pretty well from a fantasy perspective. Now, they are big names. You know, we're talking about Big Ben and Andrew Luck. Uh, Carson Palmer had a couple of good seasons, including, uh, I believe, a top five season there under Arians. So the potential is there. You've got Mike Evans. You've got Chris Godwin, who I love, by the way. Chris Godwin's one of my favorite breakout candidates. So I like the ceiling for Winston more than Mariota. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Winston ended up as a top 12 quarterback. If we look back to last season and you combine Winston and Fitzpatrick's numbers, you're talking about a top three fantasy quarterback. Uh, So the potential is there. Winston just has to meet that potential. Even if he's throwing a lot of picks, there could be a lot of opportunities for passing yards, for touchdowns, fantasy points. And again, he is someone who's coming off the board late. So he's a, he's a worthwhile flyer for sure. Uh, Michael, I've, it's uh, it's well known that you can get a good enough quarterback by waiting until later in the fantasy drafts, uh, even in a 12 and 14 league. Um, are you a, a wait and see guy or do you like to try for the Mahomes and Rogers types early on? No, I, I wait, man. I, I'm, I'm going running backs, wide receivers, heavy, 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 uh, if a tight end, like I'm never going to get Kelsey or Ertz because I don't take a tight end typically that early. Uh, Kittle, I, I probably wouldn't get. He's coming off the board in the third or fourth round. That's just too rich for my blood, despite how good he was last season. So really where I'd like to get a tight end is in that middle stanza area, like an OJ Howard or Hunter Henry or an Evan Ingram. And if I can't get one of those guys, I'm probably just going to wait until later in the draft. At quarterback, Mahomes is going to end up going in the top 40. And then you'll probably see some order of Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson coming seventh, eighth, ninth rounds, probably depending on the size of your league. But I'm of the opinion that, well, if I can wait, which I can, and I can get a duo of Cam Newton and Kyler Murray, or Jared Goff and Jameis Winston, or Carson Wentz and Lamar Jackson, I'll take it. And Notice I didn't mention Rivers, Roethlisberger, or Brady, or Kirk Cousins, or Matthew Stafford, and all of those guys are likely going to be drafted late. The position, unfairly, is devalued in fantasy football because it's deep, and we only start one every week. And I think that's why a lot of people now are starting to get into these two QB leagues and super flex leagues where quarterbacks are a little bit more important. But supply and demand really sort of means going after those running backs and wide receivers, grabbing a good tight end, and then waiting at quarterback. Like, there's been more than, there's more than a couple of uh, examples in the last three or four years where if you waited on a quarterback, including Mahomes last season, you could hit a home run. Matt Ryan a couple of seasons ago, Carson Wentz. Um, and there's no shortage of quarterbacks who have big-time potential who are not coming off the board until the double-digit rounds. Uh, in 2019 drafts. And that includes a guy like Drew Brees, who I'm a little down on because he's obviously getting up there in age, if not already there for a quarterback. And I feel like the Saints are not going to want to put the entire onus of the offense on his shoulders anymore. So you're seeing some of the old guard, Brees, Brady, Roethlisberger, starting to fall in drafts while guys like Lamar Jackson, Carson Wentz, Tyler Murray uh, are starting to move up. But they're all late-round picks. Yeah. You said previously tight ends, uh, George Kittle, uh, Zach Ertz are, are too rich for your blood because they're going at such a, a high value and such a high round. If you were to look a bit deeper past 
past your established like uh, Najoku's and Hoopers. Uh, now I'm looking mm-hmm. to the rookies. Which which rookie tight end has caught your caught your eye? I know tight ends roughly take roughly about two to three years to develop and to come into any fu- uh, fruition. But which one have which one's taken your your eye really? I mean, the two I think that everyone's going to mention are Hawkinson and, and Noah Fant, the two Iowa um, tight ends who were drafted this season. And but you're right. Typically, rookie tight ends take some time to develop. You know, Evan Ingram was an exception to the rule. Typically, that sort of scenario uh, doesn't happen. So these guys are going to have more value in dynasty leagues than they will in redraft. I think Hawkinson and Fant both worth taking late flyers on. But there's other tight ends who are not entering their first season who are young. Like I mentioned, Mark Andrews coming into his second season. Uh, Vance McDonald, not that he's a younger guy, but a guy that has got an opportunity in Pittsburgh. Chris Herndon's been suspended four games, but if Herndon wasn't going to be missing those games, he has top 15 potential. And if you can take him and sit on him until he comes back, that could be a worthwhile strategy if you wait on tight end. Darren Waller is another one who's more of a a deep sleeper there playing in Oakland. Uh, If you want to go even deeper, Matt Lacoste in New England uh, looks like he's going to be the number one guy. Won't be Rob Gronkowski, unfortunately, but uh, opportunities could be coming his way uh, there in in that Patriots pass attack. So no rookie tight ends are going to come off the board as tight end ones from a fantasy perspective. They're all going to be twos. And I would really project only Hawkinson and Fant to be worth a look uh, at that position. Um, you know, th- there's some others that, that could have some certain, certainly uh, value in the future, like a Jay Sternberger in Green Bay. Uh, but right now it's Hawkinson and Fant in redrafts. Just quickly off the back of what you just said there, do you, do you see Gronkowski coming back at any point? <laughs> Who knows, man? Like, I mean, I- I'm, I'm in a lot of these drafts. Um, where people are actually taking Gronkowski with a flyer, like at the end, just in case. I mean, it's Gronkowski. He's unpredictable. Like, he, he, he could end up back with the Patriots. He could be, you know, wrestling in a WWE ring at some point in the next <laughs> few months. Who the heck knows? But I'm going into the season with the perception that Gronkowski will not be back. Um, if you're in a deeper league, uh, I've been in drafts where you draft 22 players. If you want to take a flyer on them late, heck, why not? But in most typical redrafts, Gronkowski's off the board. Um, he's an unpredictable dude, so you never know. I never say never, but right now I'm not projecting him to be a part of that Patriots pass attack. I'm a big Mike Williams fan. Now, he's, he's not flattered to deceive uh, so much, but his first year was, was injured and his, his second year was, was okay, and we saw, we saw some progress there. Do you think this year is going to be Mike Williams' year? Do you think he's going to break out? I, I dig him. I, I do like him a lot. He's actually one of my breakout wide receivers, uh, and there are several that uh, that I like uh, this season. Williams certainly uh, going to be one of them, along with Chris Good, uh, Godwin and DJ Moore. But Williams showed that he is going to be very valuable in the red zone. He had 10 touchdown catches last season. Now, he had that one huge game against Kansas City where I think he even rushed for a touchdown, and yeah. he was – unreliable overall. But when you factor in that Tyrell Williams is now in Oakland, that Williams is entering his third season, which maybe it's not a a significant concrete trend, but we have seen wide receivers break out in their third year plenty of times throughout the course of the National Football League. And if his targets go up, he only had 66 last season. If he gets those targets up, which I think he will, 
you could be looking at a guy who can give you 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns uh, in an offense that might not have Melvin Gordon to start the season. So uh, Williams is certainly a guy that I, I think you can get him as a three, and he can give you numbers that would equate more to a two uh, when all is said and done. Do you think he'll surpass uh, Keenan Allen? I don't. Keenan Allen and Philip Rivers have a great rapport. Uh, you know, Rivers, Rivers goes to Allen significantly more, if you look at the target share, than any other receiver. Uh, in fact, I wouldn't be surprised if Hunter Henry was the second most targeted receiver on that team. Really a big fan of him as well. But Keenan Allen is sort of secure as, as Philip Rivers' go-to guy. Now, that will change in the red zone because Keenan Allen's never been a guy that scores a lot of touchdowns. Mike Williams will probably outscore him in that category. But if you're looking at targets and catches and yards, I mean, Keenan Allen, uh, all things being equal, uh, will, will certainly be that guy for the Chargers uh, ahead of a Mike Williams. Cool. Thank you. Michael, thank you very much for your time and, and lending your wisdom to the UK fans. Absolutely. Absolutely. My pleasure, man. Um, it's great to see that fantasy football is so popular out there. Um, this is my 20th year doing fantasy sports coverage, which is insane. And I've seen it grow exponentially. It's been so much fun. It's been a great ride. And to see it becoming bigger internationally uh, is, is very exciting to me. And, and I'm glad that you guys are a part of it. And uh, I wish you guys luck in your leagues uh, this season. And um, I'm going to need it. It's going to be a lot of fun. But what's that? I can't come second three years in a row. I need something to change. Oh, <laughs> well, I will tell you this. Anybody out there who hasn't played fantasy football and is willing to take a chance on playing it this season, I promise you, you'll never not play fantasy football again because it brings a different aspect to the, the game of football, uh, American football, that is, is second to none. And I can't imagine a, a Thursday night, a Sunday, a Sunday night, a Monday night during the course of the NFL season without fantasy football. It's been fun. And uh, it's great that it's gotten so popular. Our huge thanks to Michael for the interview and to Andrew for helping to organize. Look out for upcoming podcasts from the college chaps and Gridiron and Wine who are doing some fantastic work in the lead up to the season with some awesome guests. And we'll be back soon speaking with Dean Blandino, so do not miss that one. Thanks for listening. can go a long way. By refinancing your newer used auto loan with PenFed, you can lower your monthly payments for more flexibility in your budget. You can even schedule your first payment for up to 60 days from the date of your refinance. Calculate how much you could save at PenFed.org slash auto refi or call 1-800-247-5626 to apply. Membership is open to everyone. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can drive change or build an empire. 
because old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. This new year, we need a new generation of thinking, your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com because the future isn't decided yet. It's still ours to win. Start different at GoDaddy.com.